I just think it's fascinating because we hear all the time that teachers are underpaid and teachers that I'm interviewing are making six figures because you have to make six figures to survive out here. But it's just kind of wild to me that some teachers can make really good pay and survive well, take care of their families. But for the exact same job in Idaho, you can barely put food on the table for your family. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. Hey, what's going on? Thank you for tuning into another episode of While We Were Working. This is episode 29, and at While We Were Working, we cover all of the topics you need to know to make your small business be successful from an HR and people operations standpoint. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Summer Keytron, all the way out in San Diego. Say hey, Summer. Hey, everybody. We've got such an exciting show for you today. Super exciting because we also have a special guest joining us, Hannah Williams from Salary Transparent Street. Say hey, Hannah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. And um, we're going to go ahead and jump into our first segment uh, while we were working, which is our segment covering news, articles, trends that you may not have been paying attention to because you were so busy working. And if you've been living under a rock or on a social media fast for maybe a couple of weeks, a couple months, you haven't heard of Hannah's wildly successful social account called Salary Transparent Street. I'll tell my story about how I found out about your your account. Um, <laughs> my my wife, you know, we send each other reels and memes all on Instagram. And she's like, hey, uh, I think I'm doing something wrong in my career. And I was like, <laughs> why? Because she went, she showed me one of your reels and you had interviewed somebody and they were making like a ton of money. And my wife was like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> so from there, I just kind of, you know, have followed you. Uh, love, love your brand. I know we, we've, we've connected. The short story is you need to pay attention to Hannah and what she's doing. So Hannah, can you tell the people about your your account, your social your social strategy? Yeah. So I have an account, small, you may have heard of it. It's called Salary Transparent Street. So what I do is the gist of it, I go around on the street and I interview strangers and I ask them, what do you do and how much do you make? And from there, you know, I do a little bit more interview, get some more context out of people's careers and what they do and how they got there. But Really, the gist of it is that I'm trying to push for pay transparency, and that goes both ways. So with our society, I'm trying to encourage people to remove gatekeeping and stop trying to conceal that information, because the more we talk about it, the more we can get paid fairly. But also having this conversation and removing the taboo, I'm hoping we can persuade and encourage and push corporations to implement pay transparency across their organizations. So really just trying to get numbers out there and make sure people are paid fairly. 
Yeah, and Summer, feel free to jump in um, whenever you like. But um, what's been the most interesting one that you've done thus far, whether it's a, a, a clip or a profession? What's the, which one that stood out to you the most? Yeah, I mean, there's been so many now that I get really excited about all, all of them. But I really found the teachers to be interesting. And it's not just one clip. It's that some teachers I've interviewed are making bank. Like some of them are making six figures. Some of them are making over 80K. And others are making like under 50K. And, you know, this is kind of across different cities, different areas of education. So obviously, there's always going to be some discrepancies there. But I just think it's fascinating because we hear all the time that teachers are underpaid. And for the most part, that is true. Um, I live in a really high cost of living area. So the teachers that I'm interviewing are making six figures because you have to make six figures to survive out here. But it's just kind of wild to me that some teachers can make really good pay and survive well, take care of their families. But for the exact same job in Idaho, you can barely put food on the table for your family but take care of kids all day long. And so I just think that's interesting. And it points really to a larger problem in society of how those pay discrepancies exist. And just, it's a huge conversation that I'm unbottling. <laughs> well, this is really exciting stuff, Hannah. I'm so curious, what prompted you? Like, where did the idea come from? And how did you get started? Yeah, so I have a personal TikTok account called Stocks and Squats. And really, I the, the way I like to look at it is Stocks and Squats walked so Salary Transparency Street could run. Um, I am like 25 years old, so I was kind of scared to get on TikTok for a bit. And just this past February, I got on board, started posting videos about my career experiences and talking about how I job hopped a lot. So I graduated in May of 2019. I've only been in the workforce for three years. But I had five jobs over the course of three years, and it wasn't until my fourth job that I realized I was underpaid. And so it was just kind of shocking to me that I'd gone through so many jobs and so many different experiences. And it took me a really long time to even realize that I could negotiate my salary. And then let alone, I figured out that I was underpaid. And I was like, how do I fix this? So my next job, I made a point to make sure that I was negotiating my salary and I was doing market research and I got a six figure salary out of it. So I was sharing those experiences on TikTok, on my personal account, and people were really intrigued by my transparency and how open I was about my salaries. And, you know, I don't know what sparked the idea per se, but I just got it in my head that I had to go out on the street, interview a ton of people and make sure that this became a thing. Yeah, I love I love it. Uh, what I was gonna do here is um, pull up some of the comments from some of your <laughs> recent recent posts, and it's it's not like to put you on the spot. It, it's actually mm -hmm. to show the 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 diversity of like why people tune in. One person, you know, was cheering for a person who left the job, and they said, "Leave bad management for the win." So you have folks that are tuning in because they're like rooting for the rooting for the underdog or rooting for the person that is, uh, that you're interviewing. Um, another person on here says, uh, I'm down with her dream job of chilling on the beach. Uh, I think that was a, um, well that you did in DC. What I love about your account and why I think it, um, I know it has, has longevity. And like I said, if you're paying attention to the show and you're not following, um, Hannah's, Hannah's account, you need to, is that you, you're one you're doing it for all the right reasons um and even just today like 
you're talking about transparency and making sure that people can get the most best salary for themselves but but also it's like it's a it's a niche but everyone's interested in it i can tell you um the first the first podcast that i ever did um for my other account um business life of coffee it was a, a episode on do you know what your spouse makes and it was with uh, some some folks from Fidelity, and we talked about the fact that most people in marriages don't even know how much their spouse makes. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a fun show. But like, I just love that you're traveling the country and you're exposing um, salaries, and not from an ill ill will standpoint, but like, hey, yeah. let's let's tell the world. What's next for you then? So what what is the future? Uh, you recently quit your full time uh, job. I did. <laughs> so, so what's what's the roadmap like for you? Yeah. So really, the big step was quitting my job just so that I could put all my time and energy into this. It takes it takes a lot of time, you know, to go out there and travel and do the interviews. And so, like you said, I feel like I've got something that has longevity. So I had to take that leap first. And so the next step now is doing our national tour this summer. So we're going to go all across the country, every single capital city, but then also surrounding areas um, so that we don't, you know, just focus on high cost of living areas, but show rural areas and uh, underrepresented areas as well. And just showing that discrepancy of pay across the country. I really want to run into some teachers in Idaho, for example, <laughs> so I can show, you know, what they're making. But yeah, I mean, it's exciting. Like you mentioned with the comments, like there's so many people tuning in for different reasons. You've got the people who are there to explore different career paths. We've got so many different segments and demographics, like older, younger people that are just curious about this. I think there's a little bit of nosiness, but really it's just education. People want to see what these different careers are making, whether or not it's something that they can do, and then making sure that they're fairly paid in their own careers themselves. Love it. It's really great info, Hannah. And, you know, as I think about the conversations that I have with small businesses and business leaders, we are talking quite a bit about pay transparency and how these practices within their organizations. Uh, but as you know, you know, based on the information you're sharing, whether they were aware that there was kind of existing issues that needed to be addressed or, you know, just kind of uh, this topic being in the news, you know, kind of bringing it to their attention or, you know, us bringing it to their attention that this is something that they need to be working on to actually implement uh, pay transparent uh, practice and, and kind of procedures and organizations, they can be very complex. And so I'm curious, you know, I feel like you are, um, you are sharing one part of, you know, kind of the equation, right? Like just here's the information. But do you have any like lessons learned or advice for business owners on like how they should start to address this with their teams? I mean, is that kind of something that you've started to work on at this stage? I know it's very early on. 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't had any conversations with corporations yet, and I'm just a 25 year old <laughs> nobody. So hey, I don't. Hey, Hannah, you know. <laughs> they're, they're listening now. They're listening to the show, so you right. got the you got the floor. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, what I would say is, I get a lot of pushback from people who talk about corporations implementing this in their organizations, just because they're like, well, you know, once you talk about pay transparency, people are unhappy. They, you know, realize that they're underpaid. Yada yada. And to me, I just think it's interesting that corporations see this as a negative because employees are going to like be unhappy about how much they're making. When to me, it says to, to me, that's to me, it says that people are realizing they're underpaid by the company. So that's where the anger and the distrust is going to come from. If you were paying your employees fairly in the first place, they wouldn't be upset if they found out what their colleagues were making. So, you know, there's a lot of pushback from corporations in the media that I've been seeing that they're not willing to implement this. But to take the first approach at it, I think we have to realize that once your colleagues realize they're underpaid, it's a lot harder to win them back than to treat them fairly in the first place. So, you know, to implement this into your organization, I think the first step is really just sitting down with your colleagues and or all your employees and making sure you have a really thorough understanding of their job and their responsibilities and what they do and analyzing how they're currently being paid and whether or not that's fair, you know, and uh, showing the different colleagues, you know, in different departments and making sure that everyone is fairly uh, paid. And so it's worse to figure out later down the road that everyone is underpaid and that there's a lot of discrimination going on than to try to implement it in the first place. And so you really have to sit down with your management and make sure that you understand what everybody should be getting paid fairly and implement it that way instead of waiting for them to figure it out because there's no going back. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good good segue into uh, us to structure a conversation around Consultants Corner, which is where we tackle a, a, a tough topic that folks are wrestling with. And uh, let's just go ahead and hit it with, with pay transparency. I mean, look at your we look at your story and... Um, you went from an annual salary of a 40k to, to to six figures right yeah 115 yeah yeah and and you had to make moves across different companies mm -hmm. um if if you had to go back to the company that offered you 40k what advice would you give them of how to um stop someone from leaving I'll just end it like that because I don't want to put words in your mouth. But like, yeah. what would get what would stop you from leaving if if things were different? So, yeah, there's a couple ways I can approach it. Um, I mean, from the get go, that job that I had where I was making 40K was really entry level. So it was a sales role. It was telemarketing where I was cold calling people nine to five. Well, actually, it was more like seven to six, which is another reason I'll bring up of how people can stay in those jobs. But I think it just goes down to making sure that you're taking care of your employees. And that goes with, hey, you know, they should have known that I lived in Arlington, Virginia. That's where their business was located. 40K is not a livable salary. And I was a recent college grad, so I had debt. You know, a lot of the people that they're hiring are recent college grads with student loan debt. So it's going to be really difficult for you to attract new workers if you're underpaying them and they already know that they're not going to want to come in. But like I was mentioning with time, I was also really overworked. Like I had no overtime. There was no nine to five. It was like they would call you in and say, oh, well, you need to be here by 7 a.m. because we're going to be dialing all day and you're going to be here till eight. 
you know, and so that's just not good work life balance. I don't know anyone that would be okay with that nowadays, um, especially with like the talk about great resignation and all that and mental health. And so just making sure you're taking care of your employees is so important and really making sure that you're um, taking care of their mental health, especially with this new generation. But also the job just sucked. I, I wasn't made for sales. So I was on my way out whether I liked it or not. <laughs> it sounds like that prompted a little bit of soul searching as well. Like, okay, um, definitely time to find another job. So it sounds like during the past few years where you did make some changes uh, to your jobs, I mean, did you uh, eventually get into like a specific field or career and then uh, work within that in terms of to grow your salary? And then the second part of that question is, how did you find out that you were underpaid? Yeah, so great question. So exactly nail on the head. You got it. I left sales. I got an opportunity to work in data analytics in government contracting, which in this area is very common. And so I never knew what I wanted to study or what I wanted to be. Um, and so when I went into data analytics, it was really just this is my opportunity out of sales. I'll take whatever I can get. So when I got in there, I also wasn't sure how I felt about it. And that's kind of what prompted the job hopping was that job wasn't really a good fit for me either. I didn't like what I was doing and so on and so forth. But at every single job, like since the sales, I tried to lock in on something that I could take from that job if I planned on leaving. So I was like, if I'm going to leave because I'm unhappy, I need to make sure that I'm leaving with something that's concrete and, you know, not leaving something bad behind. I needed to leave a good relationship with all my colleagues, but I also needed to leave with a good skill, a new skill or a new mentor or someone that could direct me in the right direction. And so that was really what I did for the next three years. I just everywhere I went, I learned a new skill. I expanded my network. I made myself more valuable as an employee. And I always left behind on good terms. I never left on bad terms. So I always had good references. I just kind of set myself up for success. And then the second part of the question was, oh, how did I realize I was underpaid? So I was at my fourth job. I was a senior analyst working in comms. So data, um, website data, social media data. And I came in to a new contract and there was only one other colleague in the data department when I started. And like a month or two after I started, they fired him because the client didn't like him. So I'm thinking, okay, well, they're gonna replace him. I'm gonna get a new colleague. They did not do that. <laughs> so I was left with all the responsibility of literally managing data analytics for five different departments in communications which meant that I was working sunrise to sunset, no work-life balance, really overwhelmed, completely burnt out. And I got to the point where I was making $90,000 in that role, but I knew the work that I was putting in and the value I was bringing. And I just started asking myself, you know, am I being paid fairly? Because I'm doing the work of an entire department by myself. And so I started Googling it. Like I just researched how much should a senior analyst, a senior data analyst in my area with my skills and my expertise and my years of experience be making. And I realized that that person, that professional should be making over 105K and I was at 90. So <laughs> it, I was immediately offset by that. And I approached my management and I said, hey, here's all my research. Here's everything I've done. Here's all the kudos I've gotten from the client, all the value I bring. I want to raise. And they dragged it out for several months. They denied me. And unfortunately for them, that was really the check mark for me that I had to leave. And I did. <laughs> if we were to do point counterpoint, 
for people who are who are tuning into the show who might say it's not about the the value that you bring to the organization, but sometimes people have this uh, an entitlement mindset of once you once you've worked a couple years or once you've been in the organization for a while, then you're entitled to more pay or perks. Could you maybe speak either for yourself or from what you're hearing from your guests about um, why that might not be a good strategy to do this kind of yeah. like wait, wait until you put your time in kind of strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's just not an not a good approach, but also it really differs based on what industry you're in. So I was in data analytics where your hard skills are everything. You know, you have to know how to use this tool. You have to have experience with this type of system. And so for me, it was really easy to understand my value from what I knew and how I made change in the company based on what I knew that others didn't. It wasn't really a years of experience thing. It was like, I can code and you can't and you need me to make this happen. So I knew my value. But Sometimes that doesn't work. You know, if you're in recruiting or something, it, you know, years of experience is probably going to really matter a lot more just in terms of your professional experience. So I just advise that it's best to do research on your industry and how that salary negotiation and bartering and all that can differ. But really, I just think that the years of experience is kind of going out the window people are different. Every single person is different. Someone can achieve way more in six months with one company than someone who just wants to twiddle their thumbs and do the bare minimum. Both are completely acceptable, but one should get paid more. And if you pay the one who's working more, they're going to be more loyal and they're probably going to stay with you longer at the company and you won't have a job hopping situation. Because someone who's putting a lot of effort in and not being rewarded is going to find someone who will reward them. Good, good, good. I've got another question, and then Summer, I, I know you have some some questions, but um, <laughs> part of your story too is hence um, with stocks and squats, your fitness journey, and uh, how do you how do you um, correlate your fitness and health journey with um, your rising career and your rise to uh, start your own your own business? Was there uh, like a, a confidence boost or what are, what are the relations between that and what, what, what could you share? Yeah, so it's funny. When I started Stocks and Squats, I wasn't talking about anything career related. I was talking about my health journey and then my wealth journey, which kind of coincided at the same time. Um, and what's funny is I didn't realize until I started talking about my career journey under Stocks and Squats that none of those things like my health journey or my wealth journey would have happened if I hadn't gone through my career journey. And part of that was just realizing that I'm worth so much more as a human than I am just a worker. Like I started valuing myself and what I brought to the table. And I give a lot of credit to the pandemic, unfortunately, um, for helping me realize, you know, once I was at home, that the relationships I had with my family and my friends and taking care of my household and things in my life were the most important when I had been kind of on autopilot with work. And once I finally made that realization, I started losing weight, I started getting my finances in order, everything started coming together. And I think that as a result of losing the weight, I definitely got a confidence boost. Like I started just valuing myself as a human being and I started seeing what I was capable of. 
And as a result, I did start doing more. I started gaining new skills. I started being way more confident. And so that helped me give better presentations. That helped me develop better relationships with mentors and my clients and such. So really having that health journey just helped amplify my career journey. And I was so confident of what I could achieve because I believed in myself. Well, we certainly believe in you, Hannah, and the work that you're doing. You, know, you made a comment earlier when I was asking about, you know, what type of advice might you give either us or business leaders uh, in the space of pay transparency based off of what you are learning? And while I do think that that journey is a continuous learning journey, I would definitely um, not underestimate your knowledge, your expertise, and also uh, the very valuable information that you're gaining along the way. And I feel like we could talk about this topic all day long, but I want to make sure that before we run out of time that um, you share with us um, what can our Jumpstart uh, team and or our listeners do um, to help support that the work that you're doing today and intend to do in the future? Yeah, uh, I appreciate that so much. First, first and foremost, that's so kind. Um, I love the support that I'm getting. Like the community building around this is phenomenal and really keeps me going. So I really appreciate that. Um, but really, I think the best way to move forward is to join in on the conversation. You know, start having these conversations about pay and what your goals are in your career and what you want to achieve with your friends and family, and taking those baby steps towards transparency and also really having like those introspective conversations with yourself because having those conversations can be very uncomfortable and i think you really have to look into yourself to understand where that discomfort comes from like some people don't want to talk about how much they make because they're worried that it reflects on their value or their intelligence all those things and it's so incorrect to view it that way it's really just a number and it says nothing about who you are and so I think once we start approaching these conversations from the basis of this is a number and this is what I did to get it and it's I'm underpaid because I did this research and I have these skills, you know, and really approaching it from a technical perspective instead of the entitlement, you know, like I deserve to get paid more. Having those concrete bullet points of why you should get paid, what you think you deserve is so important. And so just having those conversations with your friends and family is gonna push this dialogue forward and really put that pressure on corporations to jump on board. Because I think once companies jump on board and pay transparency is implemented across departments and organizations, this isn't gonna be our responsibility anymore because when you apply somewhere, you'll know what you should be making. And so really just having that conversation with friends and family and carrying it on is the best support you can give me. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Summary, any more questions or are we ready to land a plane? Um, I wish we had time. That's all that I was wishing for today, but no more questions. Really just so excited to have this time and, and absolutely so grateful for you being on the show, Hannah. And uh, I'm looking forward to following your accounts and seeing where this goes. And uh, we'll have to check in in a little bit and, and see what's changed and update sensor today definitely Absolutely. and uh, hannah do you have any thoughts questions for us no i just want to thank you both again so much for giving me a platform letting me talk about this with y'all it was a great conversation thank you yeah it's such a pleasure hannah um go ahead and tell people where they can find you where they can follow you and uh we'll make sure that we add all of the links in the show notes as well 
Yeah. So we are on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Salary Transparent Street. And then you can follow me personally on Instagram and TikTok at Stocks and Squats. Awesome. Well, this has been another episode of While We Were Working. We'd love it if you shared this episode with your friends, especially the ones that are negotiating for a job because Hannah's got the keys to success. And we hope you join us for our next episode while we were working next week. See you later. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Got more questions? Then make sure you check out whilewewereworking.com for more tips and resources. Or shoot us a message on social media. See you next week. Thank you.